I am Cheryl Witten, and this is The Aromatherapist, where we discover the superpower of plants. One of the biggest problems in aromatherapy is conflicting information and crazy wild claims. All you have to do is search essential oils on the internet, and you'll see what I'm talking about. So when you're looking for information, how do you know who to trust, and how do you know what's right? Well, that's the reason I created this podcast, and a course called Science of Aromatherapy. The Science of Aromatherapy course takes you through aromatherapy as a healing art and the history and modern use of essential oils. You'll learn the basics of aromatherapy, the science and chemistry of essential oils, contraindications and safety considerations, and clinical and personal applications. In this course, I take you through everything from how aromatherapy affects epilepsy and bleeding disorders to drug interactions, allergies and sensitivities, and to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding, and even with children. We covered the main modes of application and profiles of the 10 most popular essential oils. By the end of the course, you'll understand the most common contraindications and safety guidelines, how to use essential oils, how to build a protocol, and how to choose, cross-reference, and eliminate essential oils, as well as how to formulate, blend, and dilute essential oils, and so much more. So why should you learn from me? Well, I'm a clinical aromatherapist, and I've been working with essential oils for around 20 years. I've trained with some of the world's renowned botanists and aromatherapy experts, and I teach people all over the world about aromatherapy. I also happen to be a professional health writer and have published peer-reviewed research work in aromatherapy. It's no longer necessary to be confused about aromatherapy. Let me guide you to clarity. Visit livelovelemon.com forward slash science dash course to enroll. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I want to talk about lavender today. And when we talk about essential oils, lavender is often the one people are most familiar with, the one they've heard about, the one they have tried. And this is actually one of the top 10 essential oils that I think everyone should have in their medicine cabinet and that everyone should use or start with because of the wide array of actions it has. It has so many benefits. So I want to talk about lavender today because a thing that some people may not know is that there actually are quite a few species of lavender and quite a few varieties of lavender. And so I want to talk about these species and the differences between them, what each of them can do, and some of the safety precautions around each species, and the common misconceptions and confusions, because there are some, and then how we actually use the essential oil in practical use. And for the purposes of today, we're gonna, I'm going to name the main species. We're really going to only talk about two, and then we'll do another uh, episode where we talk about the other types just because there's so much information to cover. So lavender is often called a universal essential oil or sometimes called the mother of all essential oils. So where frankincense is the father of essential oils, lavender is the mother. And this is because it has so many applications. So it's a universal oil because it can be pretty much used for anything. And it's actually kind of tough to list all of the things this oil can do. But generally, this label is really only applies to what is called true lavender. So some species of lavender actually should not be used for anything or everything and actually have some contraindications. So it's important to know that this applies to true lavender and it's important to know that when you're shopping as well. 
So there are a few species of lavender and then within those species of lavender, we can get, you know, many different varieties of the plant, but then we can also have quite a few different types of essential oils as well or, or aromatherapy products. And so within lavender, there are often many names for the same species. So the bot botanical name or the Latin binomial can be multiple binomials for the same plant. So it kind of has like a botanical synonym. And then the common name that we use, there can be many different common names as well and they all mean the same thing. So I don't really know why this happens except maybe because there's different cultures and different countries as plants sort of migrate across the globe. But it is confusing and so it is important to just to know that so that when you're reading, you're reading the label that you know that there can be several names but they really are the same plant. All species of lavender, however, belong to the mint family. And out of all of the lavenders that you're going to find on the market, there are mainly four species that we see in aromatherapy. These are true lavender, which may be called common lavender or English lavender. And this is the species Lavendula angustifolia, Lavendula officinalis, or Lavendula vera. We have spike lavender, and this is the species Lavendula latifolia or Lavendula spica. There is Spanish lavender, which is the species Lavendula stochas. This can also be called French lavender or maritime lavender. And then we have lavendin, which is the species Lavendula ex intermedia or Lavendula hybrida or Lavendula hortensis. And lavendin is actually a cross between true lavender and spike lavender. It can be either a natural cross or a natural hybrid or it can be an artificial hybrid. And it can also be sometimes be called Dutch lavender we usually call it lavendin. And within lavendin, you can also find different varieties and those will give you a different chemical composition. And the essential oils we get from that are called lavendin abrielis, lavendin grosso, and lavendin super. Within true lavender, you can also find lavender from different countries. And we're gonna get into that in a minute as well. A lot of the time, the lavender in your personal care products and your aromatherapy products or an especially perfume is lavendin from an artificial hybrid. Lavendin is a commercial plant and it produces more oil than any really of the other species. And so this makes it cheaper to grow, which, you know, as a grower or distiller or perfumer, you know, anything that's going to make your product cheaper and give you more volume and have, you know, lower cost to produce is going to make you more money. And so a lot of the time, lavendin is the thing that you're going to be finding in your products. So this oil isn't always bad. This essential oil has very specific uses and it's very beneficial in certain situations. It does have some contraindications that we have to know about, but the thing that you really want to know is that because it is cheaper to produce and it has more yield out of a out of a crop the products that are being sold as lavender are actually lavendin or they may actually be lavender that has been altered with lavendin so that's important to know we're going to dive into that in a little bit too so within these plants you will also hear of lavender cotton and this is not lavender. This is not lavender oil. This is not the lavender shrub. This is an entirely different plant and species. 
So let's talk about the plant itself before we really dive into more of the essential oil. So lavender is a woody evergreen shrub and it grows these fragrant purple flowers. And the essential oil comes from those flowering heads. Lavender is native to the Mediterranean and Middle East. It's a European plant, but it actually didn't come to England until the mid 1500s. So it's kind of interesting that it's called English lavender when it it's not really native to, to England. It was grown there specifically in those times for perfumery houses. And then, you know, over time, and especially now today, it moved to France and Spain, and it's mostly grown in those countries, as well as pretty much around the world. And lavender from France is classically what most of us think of. True lavender, lavandula and gustifolia that is grown in France. That is classically what we think of when we think of lavender and usually what most of us use, but it's now all over the world. Many of you probably have tried to grow it in your backyard. So the different species around the world actually gives us many lavender chemotypes. And this is what I was talking about, the difference where the lavender, true lavender comes from the countries it's grown in. So all of the species are true lavender, but depending on where it's grown, you have a, a difference in climate, you have a difference in, in the soil, in the weather, in the amount of you know precipitation, somewhere that's cold versus somewhere that's typically you know hot all year round and you're trying to grow lavender, it's gonna change that chemical composition. And so you're gonna have a constituent that is higher in one area, you know, so typically lavender is highest in linalool, but if you're getting the Bulgarian lavender, it's going to be highest in the linalool acetate. And so that will produce a chemotype. That, that slight change in the chemical composition means that it will smell slightly different. And lavender that is grown high up in the French Alps, for example, tends to be a little bit, um, have a little bit of a bergamot note to it. So it's a little bit fruitier smelling almost. So it's really going to depend where the species is grown, what it, you know, what the constituents are highest. Although most of the time, it's just a slight variance. Lavender typically tends to hybridize quite easily on its own as well. And so this is why we have so much diversity within the plant species or the genus itself. It's very important to know that when we're talking about lavender and when you're learning about lavender or you're hearing other people talk about it because there's a lot of discussion about lavender and, you know, most of it's not right. You know, lavender, when we talk about lavender on the market, lavender is typically used for skincare products and perfumes, as I, as I was saying. Lots of people want lavender. True lavender actually only has a very moderate yield. So that means the amount of oil produced per let's say 100 to 150 kilograms of the raw herb is basically meh it's okay it's not terrible but it's not really a high yield either so what that means for the producer or the grower is that there isn't quite as much money in cultivating true lavender it costs a lot to grow it and at the end of the day at the end of your season when you harvest it and then you have it distilled it's just not going to produce as much so instead we have that lavender, like I was saying, that has a high yield. So growers are either going to cultivate lavender to make more money, so they're just going to sell lavender, or if they want to actually cultivate authentic, true lavender and then distill it, many people add lavender, the hybrid plant oil, to lavender. 
They actually also might add spike lavender, Spanish sage, white camphor oil fractions, rectified hoe oil or synthetic constituents, linalool and linalool acetate. So this is very common practice. This happens all the time. Lavender is one of, it's the most popular essential oil and it is one of the most adulterated. Let's dig into the essential oil a little bit more and talk about some of its chemical structure and how we can use this. So true lavender is highest in linalool, linalil acetate, and lavandulil acetate. Those constituents are a monoterpene alcohol and esters. And most people are familiar with lavender as calming, helping with stress, helping with insomnia, using it for relaxation. But those esters in lavender, the linalool acetate and the lavandulil acetate, make it one of the best essential oils for the skin. So we see that in wound healing, it helps with tissue remodeling by stimulating collagen replacement and wound contraction. It also helps with tissue granulation as well and inflammation. So what does that mean? Well, it means it helps the skin heal and it helps in those processes of making more tissue essentially and helping the skin regenerate and remodel. In human randomized clinical trials, women who received an episiotomy, which is an incision in your perineum to help with delivery, delivering a baby, they were given lavender on the incision for 10 days. And those who received lavender oil had reduced pain and redness compared to the control. And so there was another second randomized clinical trial for episiotomies, and they used lavender again. And they found that those who were treated with lavender oil had significant reduction in redness, swelling, bruising, discharge, and better approximation in the wound. So that means how well the edges of the wound come together. So that was better than in the control. We also see that true lavender is anti-inflammatory. So it's going to help with those inflammatory skin conditions, eczema, psoriasis, dermatitis, or your general skin rashes. And so when you're using that, the anti-inflammatory piece with wound healing, it helps it helps replace collagen and helps the wound contract or close together along with that inflammation piece. That's a good combination for skin healing. It's also antimicrobial and actually quite powerfully so. It's effective against fungal infections and bacterial skin infections. I've seen it work against ringworm in a couple of days and against, you know, it's effective for athlete's foot, jock itch. It's actually also effective against staph infections and specifically drug-resistant staph bacteria. The way that it works here, it seems to be particularly effective when it's used with another antiseptic. That's what some of the research has shown, but it appears to work by changing the structure of the cell wall. So it's actually modifying the bacteria cell. So that's cool. We also find that it is effective against some viruses. I've seen it clear up a molluscum infection that was present in children for four years. I've seen it cleared up within four weeks. And I've seen a lesser infection of molluscum clear up within a week and within two weeks as well. And your doctor will tell you there's nothing you can do for it. It's a virus, so it's, you know, antibiotics are not effective against it. And often your doctor will say it will clear up on its own, you know, maybe go out in the sunlight. But lavender is very effective, and I have personally in my clinic seen that work very effectively. 
Lavender is also effective for burns, you know, minor burns like sunburns. And so it will help reduce the redness and swelling and inflammation in the skin and also help with pain. But actually too, it's also effective under clinical care for serious burn management and infection management. Serious burns can be life-threatening. So, you know, managing a really serious burn at home with lavender is not recommended, but under clinical care or clinical guidance, this is something that we we can actually see a lot of progress in the skin, especially when you're dealing with infections. And so we talked a little bit about the pain relief. So true lavender is analgesic as well. It works very well for pain. Some people find it to be really helpful. For myself, I do find that if the pain is coming from a skin wound or something related to the skin, I find that lavender is most effective for me in that way. And you know that the most common way that we use lavender or people are familiar with lavender is for stress and relaxation and sleep. And so you know, smelling lavender is effective in this way. We can use it to relieve stress, to reduce anxiety. I've spoken about this in other episodes where we see that inhaling it for 20 minutes can reduce salivary cortisol. So that's the hormone you release in response to stress. We can see that it's reduced when we measure it in your saliva. It's also very helpful for insomnia. So it'll help you sleep. Um, the bonus is it doesn't have, you know, any of the side effects. Sometimes people like to use like mel- melatonin, you know, which can make you groggy in the morning when you wake. The bonus here is that lavender doesn't do that. It's just a calming essential oil and can help calm you down and help you go to sleep. It lowers your blood pressure and your heart rate, which is a signal to your body that you're you're calming down and you're relaxing, right? And that can help you get into sleep mode. So it's a, it's a calming essential oil and it calms the nervous system. And that's, that is often how I use it for anxiety is how it interacts with the nervous system. You know, a lot of the time we're receiving a lot of information from our environment and that is what triggers us on our stress and our anxiety. And so a lot of the time I, I'm actually using that in specific places on the body to help calm down how much we respond to those that stimuli. So lavender is very effective here. And this is my favorite part about true lavender. It doesn't have any contraindications. It's not known to irritate the skin. It is safe to use for children, safe for pregnancy, epilepsy, bleeding, all the safety things you can think of. It's safe to use. It's not toxic, so you don't have a risk of toxicity or poisoning. It's anti-allergenic. Of course, you know, anyone can have sensitivity to anything. You can be allergic to anything. However, generally speaking, it's not known to do that. And, it, and it's even better when you dilute it. But this is where we come back to the lavender. So it's not known to irritate your skin. But if it's been adulterated with lavender, we have to watch out for that because it can cause some skin reactions. Lavender does have a slight risk for irritation and it can be caustic to the skin. So if, it, if it's added to true lavender, then we can have the situation where we actually create irritation. So then what about lavender? Well, lavender, this hybrid plant, is also typically high in linalool and linalil acetate. But then here's where it's a little bit different. It is high also in camphor and 1-8-cineal. And so that camphor piece of lavender is what really changes how lavender works. And depending on the, the variety of lavender, remember we talked about 
Super and Grosso and Abrialis. Depending on that variety, it might also be higher in 1-8 Cineal, which will give it more of a eucalyptus smell and then kind of change how it works a little bit too. It's used in pretty much similar ways as true lavender. And so research shows it's effective for anxiety reduction. It's antimicrobial, probably going to be effective for skin conditions given that the linalool and linalil acetate. But again, the presence of camphor kind of changes things a little bit. And really where this is going to be most useful for your skin or in wounds is as a type of antiseptic. So to use it to clean a minor cut, for example. You know, camphor isn't really great for the skin and it can be irritating and kind of almost burn the skin. So some people really are less inclined to use lavender because of the camphor co- uh, content, you know? And so that that's why there's a big concern if you have lavender that has lavender in it because of that camphor content. However, you know, people are able to use lavender without any problems too. It does have a slight risk for... Uh, irritation to the skin. However, most of the concern around lavender really being too rough on the skin actually might be applied to the lavender absolute. So you can purchase lavender absolute. You can also get lavender, true lavender absolute, and these are extracted with a solvent. And this, the lavender absolute contains something called coumarin, which is thought maybe to be the thing that causes skin irritation, but not entirely sure either. Really not sure why this oil irritates so much. However, lavender absolute is considered to have a moderate risk for skin sensitization. So I personally think some of that dislike for lavender might actually be around a confusion between the products. What's going to irritate your skin more? Lavender absolute. Lavender oil, you might have a slight risk of irritation, but not as much as the absolute. Oral use of lavender may inhibit blood clotting. So this is not going to be good for those on blood thinners before surgery, if you have hemophilia or other bleeding disorders. Again, this is only for the oral use of lavender. So using it on your skin is not likely to have this kind of reaction. But at the same time, I'm not really sure why you would be taking lavender orally anyway, like why you would be ingesting it. It's not really one that I would typically tend to go for initially. So that's something to think about as well. So you're probably not going to be using it in that way. So it's not really going to have any contraindications except that minor slight risk for irritation. You can reduce that risk by properly diluting it, however. Mostly, lavender really is going to be used in perfumery and skincare products because it can be produced quite cheaply and at higher yields. So it's better for the grower and it's better for the distiller and it's cheaper for the artisan who's creating skincare products. So you're probably going to get lavender. True lavender can be adulterated with lavender and it is all the time. But lavender itself can also be rectified and adulterated. That camphor piece, like I was saying, can really change lavender. So distillers may sometimes pull off that camphor and then add in other synthetic linalool and linalil acetate. And then you have this product that smells like lavender, less expensive to produce, you get your bottom dollar's better. Those are adulterated products. It's not, it's neither authentic lavender nor lavender. And, and, you know, this is actually one of the reasons why lavender oil actually has a standard 
from the ISO. And the ISO is the International Organization for Standardization out of Switzerland. And they are a nonprofit, um, non-governmental organization that sets standards for quality for, you know, all kinds of products. So for lavender, specifically, we have an ISO standard. And this means it can only be ISO certified lavender if it has or falls into this defined percentage of each constituent. So the whole purpose of the standard is to help with quality. And that should tell you that this is a massive problem in aromatherapy. Lavender is one of the worst adulterated essential oils that you can get. So it's a really big problem. It's a quality, as usual, as I bang my drum about, is a big concern. You know, if we have to set an ISO for it to make sure that lavender is falling into the right, the right numbers, I mean, that's a... That should tell you that there's a lot of products out there that are not high quality, which is driving a need to set standards so that we can improve quality. So how do I use these lavenders? Well, mostly I'm going to use them for skincare treatments, for pain management, for inflammation. You know, I actually use lavender a lot with cypress and marjoram and fur for muscle or tissue injury because it helps with that inflammation and swelling and bruising along with pain. And I'll tell you a little story. Not too long ago, a few years ago, I actually had my wisdom teeth pulled out and it was full surgery, you know, where they have to put you under and the whole nine yards. As soon as I got home from my surgery, I actually added those four oils, cypress, marjoram, fur, and lavender on my cheeks and my jaw. And I had no swelling, no bruising, no chipmunk cheeks, nothing. You couldn't even tell I had wisdom tooth surgery. It was wild. It's just so, such a good one. I also use it a lot for stress and anxiety. So I use it with my kids for sleeping. It's beautiful oil for babies and small children because there's no contraindications. So it's very safe to use. So if you have children who can't sleep or you have children with big emotions or children with big temper tantrums or stress, lavender is an excellent essential oil to use you can with the kids you can put it in a diffuser that's really the best way to use it put in the diffuser near the crib put it near in the room somewhere they're not going to get into it so they're not going to spill it or something or a little drop on the crib sheet or whatever that can be really relaxing for kids and really help with sleep I also find for myself with, with stress and anxiety that I like to either inhale it directly from the bottle diffuse it or sometimes I I like to use a nasal inhaler and I have had clients who have found that just diffusing lavender and just inhaling lavender from the diffuser while they're working in the kitchen really takes away the symptoms of PTSD and some of the triggers and reactions and one client in, in particular kept experiencing these sort of crawling sensations they would say that you know, it felt like their skin was crawling and it felt like almost like spidey sensors all the time and when certain things would happen and they had very specific triggers. And so just just diffusing lavender took away those sensations. So there's so many things you can do with lavender and there's so many ways to use it. There's really too many ways to list. Most of the time when people ask me or they have products and they don't know what to use, And sometimes people have very limited collections, right? They don't have very many essential oils. I just recommend, what do you got? You got lavender, use your lavender. You know, sometimes we really want a fancy or exotic oil to use, some wild remedy, but this oil is called the universal oil for a reason. 
And if you can get yourself some authentic true lavender oil that's really high quality, this is going to be the start of your, your remedy cabinet. This is going to be the start of your, your medicine kit. My encouragement to you is to fall in love with lavender. Over the years, you know, I have quite an extensive aromatherapy collection. I go back to lavender all the time and I am continually being amazed about what this essential oil can do. So if you don't know what to use and if you're a practitioner or a clinical aromatherapist and you're kind of stuck, use lavender. Try it in a little bit of a different way. Try the different method that you use it, but just try lavender. Try it on its own and watch what happens. And then send me some messages and tell me how it worked for you, how it blew your mind. Because I promise you, lavender is a universal oil for a reason. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.